If you got your Bibles tonight, we're going to be in Psalm 144, and it is always an honor to preach here at Granby Baptist Church. And for those of you that may not know me, uh, my name is T.J. Gardner. Uh, I am the teen pastor here at Granby Baptist Church, uh, and I, me and my wife have faithfully served here uh, for, I believe this is nine years now. And so I'm excited. One more year, and I'll be at a decade. What a great thing to be able to say. It's awesome. And so that's, that's just, I love that, and I, I love being here. And uh, I had a wonderful thing happen to me September 13th. Uh, September 13th is my spiritual birthday. And this year was 25 years I have been saved. Trusted Jesus Christ when I was five years old. By the way, five years old, I haven't forgotten it. I can take you to where I was, what happened. I, I remember it to this day. Uh, trusting Jesus Christ as my Savior. I've been saved for a quarter century. Wow, that feels cool to say. And so, man, I just love being saved. I hope you do as well. And tonight we're in Psalm 144. Uh, last week was a really strange Wednesday for me. Um, many years we've done our teen service on Wednesday nights. And uh, I have Pastor Mutchler down to a T. I know uh, about when he's getting done every single Wednesday. And I always try to time uh, my message with pastors. So I'm upstairs. But my wife is in the back watching live stream, and she's communicating with me how much time I've got. And so I try to time that up. Well, last week, Pastor Justin was down here. And man, I'm up there. We got done singing. We had a group prayer time, all the teens. We prayed together like we do every Wednesday. And I started reading our passage, and my wife looks at me and goes, they're an invitation. I'm like, I haven't even started preaching yet. I'm just reading the verses. And so I'm flustered. I'm like, what do I do? What do I do? And I'm like, <sighs> so I told the teens, I said, all right, we'll, we'll pick it up next week. We'll, I'll have the same sermon ready and, and I'll be ready. I'm already ready. I was ready last Wednesday. I was ready to go. And so I said, for the first time in nine years, I didn't preach the Bible last Wednesday night. I was so upset. I was, fr- I, I, you know, who do you blame? Pastor Justin? Sure. Let's blame him. He's not here tonight. And uh, I was just like, man, that's never happened to me. And then, of course, I had a spiritual teenager come up. Brother TJ, well, maybe it's because the Lord knew the person who needed to hear that was not here tonight. And I thought, you know what? You're right. Someone wasn't here to hear that. Little did I know I was preaching church tonight to the adults. So maybe this is for the adults tonight. And so tonight, uh, I'm going to preach a message. This was a message I was going to preach to the teens. Knowing now that I was preaching it to adults, I've changed it just a little bit. But for you parents who are here, I think it'll help you. I love parents, you getting to hear me preach what I would preach to your teens. Uh, but this will also have uh, the adult twist to it. So don't sit there, adults, and go, oh, no, no, this is for my teenager. It's not for me. No, no, no. It's for everybody. I believe the Bible is for everyone. And every single verse found within it doesn't just speak to a teen's heart. It can speak to anybody's heart. And so tonight as we look at God's word, I want to challenge you. And I hope this will be a blessing to you. Psalm 144, our teens have been in a series where every week I challenge them to read 10 chapters in Psalms. And they get to guess what chapter I'm going to speak on. So as you can see, we were in the last 10 chapters. And I picked Psalm 144. I want us to read it together. Would you do me a favor tonight? Uh, would you stand to your feet as we read God's word? And I want to read this chapter. It's a short chapter. I think we can read it together. Uh, and so I'll read it. If you would, follow, out, uh, follow along as I read it out loud. Psalm 144, and look at verse 1. The Bible says, Blessed be the Lord my strength, which teacheth my hands to war and my fingers to fight. Num- verse 2, My goodness and my fortress, my high tower, 
and my deliverer, my shield, and he in whom I trust, who subdueth my people under me. Lord, what is man that thou takest knowledge of him? You ever thought about that, that God's thinking of you? And David says, God, how, how can you, that you're thinking of me? Wow. And he's thinking of you too, by the way. That's awesome. Look at verse 4. Man is like to vanity. His days is a shadow that passeth away. Verse 5. Bow thy heavens, O Lord, and come down. Touch the mountains, and they shall smoke. Cast, cast forth lightning, and scatter them. Shoot out thine arrows, and destroy them. Verse 7. Send thine hand from above. Rid me, and deliver me out of great waters from the hand of strange children, whose mouth speaketh vanity, and their right hand is a right hand of falsehood. Verse 9. I will sing a new song unto thee, O God. Upon a psaltery and an instrument of ten strings will I sing praises unto thee. Of course, remember, David was a musician. And he's reminding us that he is playing music to the Lord and praising God. Verse number 10. It is he that giveth salvation unto kings, who delivered David his servant from the hurtful sword. Now here's where I want to focus tonight. Look at verse 11 and through the rest of the chapter. Verse 11. David starts this chapter by praising God, and now he's going to get into a part where he's starting to ask God and starting to request from God, and really we would call this pray. He has some things he wants to ask God. Look at verse 11. He says, Rid me and deliver me from the hand of strange children, whose mouth speaketh vanity, and their right hand is a right hand of falsehood, that our sons may be as plants grown up in their youth, that our daughters may be as cornerstones polished after the similitude of a palace, that our garners may be full, affording all manner of store, that our sheep may bring forth thousands and tens of thousands in our streets, that our oxen may be strong to labor, that there be no breaking in nor going out. And here's the phrase we are going to focus on tonight, that there be no complaining in our streets. Verse 15, happy is that people that is in such a case, yea, happy is that people whose God is the Lord. Let's have a word of prayer and I'll let you be seated. Dear Lord, we love you. God, as we're here tonight on a Wednesday night, every person represented God is here for a reason. And God, you have something for every soul that is here, something from your word that you need to speak to them about. And God, if not, I don't think they'd be here. So Lord, as we're here tonight, reading your word, studying your word, and looking at it, would you speak to our hearts and would you help us to be better Christians today? In your precious name, Jesus, amen. You may be seated. So as I said, David here, he, he transitions through the psalm where he starts praising, and now he's getting into what he's asking God. And I want to look at those very quickly. Look at verse 11. First thing he asked God for was deliverance from his enemies. Deliverance from his enemies. We've all been there in life where there may be people who are trying to not physically hurt us, but uh, hurt us in other ways, and we need God's help to deal with them. The Bible says this, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. When I'm dealing with people, the best person that I have to deal with those people is not myself. It's letting God deal with them. And so David calls on God, God, I want you to watch out for our nation, and I want you to deliver us from those people. Look at verse number 12. I think all of us should pray this prayer from time to time. The Bible says this, that our sons may be as plants grow up in their youth, that our daughters may be as cornerstones. King David says, God, I want you to help our young people grow. Help our young men grow. Help our young ladies grow. And watch out for them. I know we have parents in this room, and I hope and I, and I would challenge you each to, are you praying for your children? Are you praying that God would help you help them grow up the right way? And what a reminder David mentions. Then look at verse 13. 
Verse 13, it says this, that our garners may be full, affording all manner of store, that our sheep may bring forth thousands and tens of thousands in our streets. David, he prays for blessings on their land. Blessings on their land, that there would be no food shortages, that they would have food for everyone. What a lovely picture of all the lambs birthing in the streets that David mentions. That's kind of weird. But basically to bless their herds, bless their grain stores, and to make sure that their land is fruitful and that God is blessing it. He mentions in verse 14, he says that our oxen may be strong to labor, that there be no breaking in nor going out. David first prays for protection, that God would protect their land from people coming in. And then he prays for retention, that people would want to stay and that people would want to be there to grow and raise their family. Do you hear the heart of King David tonight, the king praying for these things for his nation? And then I read this, and we get to verse 14, the very end. Now, all those things make pretty good sense to me. And they probably make pretty good sense for you to hear a king pray for, right? And then he adds this, that there be no complaining in our streets. David says, God, I want you to protect our land. I want you to help us raise our children. I want, just, I want you to, to, to bless our land. And then God, can, can I ask you one more thing? Can you help people to not complain? Can you help people in our city to not complain? And I just read that and I thought, wow. That kind of almost seems out of place. But complaining. I don't know about you, but there's times in life where I love complaining. Anybody ever been there? Come on now, put those hands up. This is a church, can't lie in church. Okay? We've been there. Man, something happens. And we want to tell everybody about how bad that was, about how poorly that was handled, about how poorly that was run, about how badly that, that situation was addressed. And boy, we just almost love to put on this complaining jacket. And if we're not careful as Christians, we fall into the trap of becoming someone who complains, who complains. And I want to challenge you tonight with a simple thought. Uh, don't be a complainer in the street. Don't be a complainer in the street. Now, I know what you're thinking. Brother TJ, why is it not okay for Christians to complain? But today, sometimes I like it. Sometimes it feels good, man. Something happens when, that, when I go through McDonald's drive-thru. Okay? And they get my order wrong. Brother TJ, I just have to complain. I just have to. I just have to go on Google and make sure I leave a couple wonderful reviews telling them how wonderful of a job they did. And when I do that, brother, it makes me feel better to complain. But can I tell you, the Bible's very clear about how me and you should deal with complaining. Are you ready to see some verses? I'm about to test Brother Noah and Brother Colby up here because I have verses for days. Are you ready for a Bible study? Let's dig in. Why should we not complain? Well, first off, the Bible tells us to be thankful. The Bible tells us to be thankful. Ephesians 5.20 says this. Giving thanks always for all things. Boy, that's a double superlative. Always for all things. Everything that comes into my life, I'm supposed to be thankful for instead of complaining about. Pretty easy to understand. Verse 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says this. Nuclear bombs going off, Carson. And everything give thanks. 
Wow, there's a real hard verse to understand. What things to give thanks for, Brother TJ? Everything. Everything. The things you complain about, should you complain about? I don't believe so. I believe we need to be thankful for what happens in our lives. Psalms 107. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. We're going to talk about how, how good God is and how that's important in not complaining in just a second. Psalms 100 verse 4 says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. And into his courts with praise, be thankful unto him and bless his name. Can I tell you today, the worst place to complain, I'm I'm not saying to complain at all. We're talking about that tonight. But don't come to the church house to complain. Don't come to God's house to, to vent your frustrations on what's going on. The Bible says, come into his presence with thanksgiving. Into his courts with praise. And so we're supposed to be thankful. Now, certainly there's things that we could complain about, but God says, don't complain. Instead, be thankful for what you have. For instance, I have a wonderful blue truck. If you've ever seen my blue truck, it's very old. In fact, it's older than me, 31-year-old truck. Okay, it's bright blue. It's very cool. I love it very much. It's an old truck. Can I tell you, as all old trucks, it has problems, right? How many can attest to that? How many of a new vehicle has problems? Praise the Lord. Amen. It has problems. The window doesn't work. Boy, that's frustrating, especially when it's 100 degrees out, right? Uh, the, the handle on the one side of my truck, the door handle's missing. It got ripped off. And now there's a little cushion that's not even a handle, but every time someone gets in, they always pull that little cushion. So that's coming off too. It's not the handle, but it's the makeshift handle that's now coming off. So I'm about to be two handles short. One of them wasn't even the handle. And I could get into my truck... And I could start looking around the truck and I could say, well, that's stupid. Man, I, I hate that. I, I don't like that. Man, another problem with the truck. I could sit there and complain or I could get in the truck and say, Lord, thank you for this truck. God, I'm glad that I have a truck because there's some people who don't have a truck. There's people who have to walk to work, have to get a bus to work, have to ride a bike to work. And I'm here in my truck and it might have its issues, but Lord, thank you for that truck. So you can approach your problems two ways. You can either complain or you can do what the Bible says and you can be thankful for what you have. Number two, the Bible tells us to be content with what we have. To be content with what we have. Will you go to Philippians chapter four? The guys on the screen, the guys not on the screen. Okay, Brother Colby, no, no pictures of yourself on the screen, please. The guys have that on the screen. Philippians chapter four, look at verse 11. The Bible says this, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned... In whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. This was, by the way, written by the Apostle Paul. And if you know anything about the life of Paul, if there was a guy who had complaints, it could have been him. I mean, he just lived a wonderful life. He's traveling. He's sleeping wherever he can find a place to stay. Um, He would go into cities preaching the gospel. He'd be thrown into prison. He'd be whipped on occasion. Um, the Bible says he was shipwrecked multiple times. How many of you, if you were floating on some driftwood in the ocean for preaching the gospel, how many of you are going to be just, thank you, Lord? Most of us couldn't do that. But the Apostle Paul says this, wherever I am, whatever I'm going through, I have learned I'm going to be content. You can tell me. You can read the New Testament. I I, I don't think there's a single time you could tell me that the Apostle Paul is complaining. In fact, the very opposite. He's happy. He's content, as he says here. 
He's joyful. He's thankful. And so whatever we're going through, be thankful, be content, instead of complaining. If anybody had a reason, Paul did. I want you to notice number three. This is really good. Are you ready for this? Why should we not complain? Well, the Bible tells us that we have received mercy and grace. We have received mercy and grace. And I say, why is that so important when it comes to complaining? You got your Bible? 1 Peter 1, verse 3. Everybody still awake? Raise your hand. Everyone good? Okay. I had most of you. That's not bad. I'll take it. 90% awake is a really good percentage. 1 Peter. I'm just going to use you guys. Can you stay with me? I'm just going to use you guys as on the screen, man. This is great. 1 Peter 1, 3 says this. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. Not getting what we deserve. If me and you got what we deserved, we deserve death and hell. The Bible says because of our sins, sin when it is finished bringeth forth death. For the wages of sin is death. If me and you, as good as we are, as good as I am, as good as I can be, If I got what I rightfully deserve as a sinner, it would be death and serving an eternity in hell. But praise the Lord, God showed mercy on Brother TJ. And he showed mercy on you. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. And so when it comes to this thing of complaining, you've got to understand that God has been merciful. So the very things that you complain about, could I tell you this? You deserve a whole lot worse. The very things that you complain about, that I complain about, if we got what we deserved, it would be so much worse. So instead of complaining about it, we need to be thankful for it. What about grace? Because grace is kind of similar, right? Let's look at another verse, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. These guys are on it. You guys are awesome. Thank you. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says this, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. I love this simple illustration, okay? How many like ice cream cones? Praise the Lord for ice cream cones. You come home from school one day, and your dad says, hey, let's go get ice cream. And you say, you know what? I got in trouble at school today, Dad. Mercy is him still giving you the ice cream cone, right? He's merciful. You don't deserve that ice cream cone, but he gave it to you anyway, right? How many like the ice cream cone? You're like, thank you, Dad. He's merciful, okay? Grace is giving you the ice cream cone at all, okay? And so mercy and grace, grace is getting what we don't deserve. Can I tell you when you complain, you are complaining about something that you really didn't deserve anyway. The things that God's given you in life, how good God is, how good God is. And yet we complain, can I tell you, we're missing out on the grace. And we're not understanding that. By the way, you notice that verse? Paul says this, most gladly, therefore, will I complain in my infirmities. Is that what he says? No. He says, well, I rather glory in my infirmities. Paul says, man, there's things to complain about. But because of God's grace, I'm not going to complain about those things. Instead, I'm going to be grateful and I'm going to glorify God through them. Wow, isn't that powerful stuff? Are you guys still with me tonight? This is pretty, pretty common sense stuff. I hope it's working for us. Now, I want you to go back to Psalm 144 because now we're getting back into the verse. And I've got three thoughts. Listen, I'm on record pace here. I might beat Pastor Justin, but don't worry. No one's preaching to the teens except for me, so we're all good here. 
This is perfect. In Psalm 144, look at verse 14. It says this, that our oxen may be strong to labor, that there be no breaking in nor going out, that there be no complaining in our streets. From that little phrase, I want you to notice three things we can learn about complaining. Number one, complainers complain in the streets, not in the palace. Complainers complain in the streets, not in the palace. When David is praying this to God, he's mentioning the streets. I think that's very interesting. Because as David's in the palace, you know what he's not hearing? Complaints. But David also hears the ripple effects from the people down there who are complaining. And it makes its way up. Complainers complain in the streets, not in the palace. Isn't it so interesting that so often we complain not to the boss, but to a coworker? Isn't it so interesting that we complain to our friends and not the friend we're actually talking about? See, we love to complain when the king's not around, when the boss is not around, when the person we're talking about is not around. And I want you to understand you have to be so careful about complaining in the streets. Could I recommend something tonight? Don't say things that you wouldn't say to them in person. If you're not comfortable saying it to their face, then don't say it to a friend or coworker. Don't do it. By the way, I'll say this, because some of you are so bold that you're like, well, I'll say it to their face. Well, that's a different problem. Sometimes you shouldn't say it to their face. And you got to learn to control your tongue. Because some of you are like, man, I don't, I'll say it to them right now. I'll tell that boss what I think. Okay? No, don't do that either. We should not be people I know some of you were thinking that. There were some of you guilty, man. That's why you're laughing. Y'all know it to be true. So don't say things to their face if you, or don't say things to their face if you shouldn't say it. Don't say things not to their face if you wouldn't say it to their face. You're complaining. You're complaining. Instead of complaining about authority, work with authority to make the situation better. There's a problem. There's a big difference. Michelle Wooster is our principal here. Uh, I get to be one of the teachers. There's a big difference when I see a problem and I go to our, our principal and say, hey, Mrs. Wooster, I noticed this issue. Is there something we can do to fix that? That's a big difference than me going to another teacher and saying, you know what? Why is Mrs. Wooster doing it that way? Why are we handling it that way? If I was running it, I would do it a whole lot. You see the difference? One, I'm working with authority to try to correct an issue. That's not complaining. That's trying to fix an issue. But the other one, I'm not going to the king, the palace. I'm in the streets complaining. I'm in the streets complaining. And it's not getting any better. Can I tell you a bad situation I complained about a couple weeks ago? Should I give a bad example? I know you guys think I'm so good, though, man. A couple weeks ago, we had a, we had a Sunday morning. How many remember that special morning where we had the, the lunch? And, and it was the 38th anniversary. What a great Sunday morning. Well, we had a shortened Sunday school. Now, all of you adult Sunday school classes, you love shortened Sunday school. Brother TJ, the teen pastor, I don't like shortened Sunday schools. I want those teenagers stuck in there where I get to teach them and talk to them and be with them and hang out with them. And we just love it. And so we had that shortened Sunday school, right? Well, when the pastor says that's what we're doing, you know what I say? That's what we're doing. But here was the problem. They said 10 to 1030. And I started thinking, well, if the service starts at 1030, we can't get out at 1030, right? We got to get out five minutes early at least. 10.25. And then I was asked to bring all the chairs down from the teens that morning down here for the food. Mm. This is where Brother TJ's complaining spirit began to take hold. And I thought, we're already doing a shortened Sunday school. And now you're asking me to shorten it even more. 
by having all the teens have to bring their chairs down. It's like, why are we not having Sunday school at all? You see how Brother T-Day's complaining train of thought was going here? And I got in that spirit. And I'm like, man, I just... But you know what I didn't do? Fix the problem. And then Brother Derek, Mr. Brother Derek, what a great guy. He comes to me and he says, you know what? Why don't we just have all the teens in the gym? And that way, that morning, the chairs can already be down here on Saturday night. And here I am in my complaining spirit going, you know what? That's a wonderful idea. Let's do that. See, I was complaining, whereas Brother Derek was trying to fix and solve the solution, right? You've got to watch out for this, that, that complaining spirit because it can get all of us. Now, let's go to some good illustrations. Can I do some good ones here in a minute of me? I don't have any. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Number two, complainers complain in the streets, not in the palace. Number two, complaining never brings happiness to yourself or to others around you. Look what it says in verse 15. He goes, verse 14, that there be no complaining in our streets. Verse 15, happy is that people. Who are happy? The people who don't have complaining in their streets. Those people tend to be happier people. By the way, complaining is really when we say we aren't happy about something, isn't it? We see something we're not happy about, and therefore we complain. And the more you complain, it sucks the happiness out of your family. It sucks the happiness out of your marriage. It sucks the happiness and joy out of a job. And if you will get into that complaining spirit, all of a sudden you're going to find you're not very happy in your life. And you have two options. You can either, A, continue complaining, and you still will continue to not be happy. Or you can decide, you know what? I'm going to be thankful. I'm going to be content. I'm going to remember God's mercy and grace. And instead of being a complainer, I'm going to find the good in this situation. And all of a sudden, it's amazing how you can start finding happiness and joy, even in the worst and most complaining of circumstances. That makes sense? I think it does. And so David says, happy is that people. Um, For instance, I coach sports and I coach soccer. And sometimes I found myself on the sidelines watching one of my soccer players and he's out there and he's doing terrible. He's making mistake and mistake. And sometimes they make the same mistake over. Drives the coach nuts, right? How many understand that? And I'll sit there and I'll look at my assistant coach and say, man, he keeps doing that. Why does he keep doing that? Oh, he did it again. Ah. And if I'm not careful, I'll sit there for 30 minutes complaining about that kid doing the same thing. Instead of sending a substitute in, bringing him to the sidelines and saying, hey, you keep doing this. Let's not do that anymore. Let's do it this way instead and fixing the situation. And you know what I found? When I sit there and complain, I'll sit there and be upset for 30 minutes. But when I pull the kid out and explain what they're doing and tell them what I want them to do instead, all of a sudden they go back out there and they're doing it the way I want. And guess what I am? Very happy. I'm very happy. Why was I happy all of a sudden? Because I decided to stop complaining and help fix the situation. Found a solution to the situation. Can I tell you, don't let your happiness be dictated by things or others. Don't let your happiness be dictated by things or others. Can you go to 2 Corinthians 2? 2 Corinthians 2, verse number 12, I think. No, it's verse 10. I think I have a typo on my paper. I think it's a typo. Same verse. To whom you... 
Hmm. Praise the Lord. Try verse 12. Nope. 12. 13. 13? 13? There's no 13? I don't know what the verse was. It was good, I'm sure. Let's go to number three. Complainers complain in the streets, not in the palace. Complaining never brings happiness to self or others. And I noticed from Psalm 144, the last verse there, complaining never fixes problems. God does. Complaining never fixes problems. God does. Look at, look at the last verse. Happy is that people that is in such a case. And then look what he says. Woe, don't miss it. He says, yea, happy is that people whose God is the Lord. Whose God is the Lord. He first says, happy is the people who, you know, don't complain, who have protection. But then he realized this, and he almost realized it as he's writing, as God's allowing this to happen. He's, you know what, wait a second. Happy is the people that God is their Lord. See, God is the one that brings true happiness in our lives. God is the one that brings true joy into our homes, into our jobs. And so if we're not careful, we'll try to look at things and, and, and positions and all this other stuff thinking that's going to bring us happiness, when in reality, it usually just brings complaints. It brings frustrations. And if you make those things first priority, you know what you find? A whole lot of complaining frustrations. But if you make God your priority in life and living for him, all of a sudden you find you're a whole lot happier as you go through this thing of life. Uh, I I worked a job years ago uh, in a frozen foods warehouse. I loved the job, even though it was a really probably a terrible job. I worked in a, in a freezer, negative 10, frozen foods warehouse. And I drove forklifts 12 hours a night, six nights a week while going to college full time. That was a wonderful season of my life. I don't remember very much. I was sleeping about three hours a day. It was wonderful. Okay. And man, I would go to work all night, three o'clock. My shift would start and I'd work till 3.30 a.m. And man, it's a frozen foods warehouse. I knew it was bad when I watched a guy with a mustache. He came out of the freezer like a walrus. He had these icicles hanging from his, his beard. And I'm like, this is a great job. And man, I, I actually loved it. I loved driving those forklifts. I, I really did enjoy it. And I got really good at those forklifts. And we would go into the freezers and we had all these orders of different types of food. Many times they were being shipped to, to places like Walmart or different stores. And they would be distributed there. And there was one thing that no one wanted to do. It was those frozen, you ever been to the store and they're these little frozen, uh, they're almost like plastic canisters of juice, juice, you know, frozen lemonade, frozen orange juice, right? And they got all the flavors. Well, in the warehouse, they'd have a truck and there'd be all these papers. And our job was to take the forklifts, go into the freezers and make the orders to load the trucks, right? And the rule was this, Brother Ryan. Take the first paper on top. Because let's be honest, there were some papers that were easier. For instance, dinner rolls. Let me tell you, a box of dinner rolls is very light. Okay? Uh, there was crescent rolls. You know how much a crescent weighs? It weighs as much as a feather. Okay? And so you would have got, you were supposed to take the, pick, the first paper on top, right? But you know those guys are going, difficult, difficult. Really difficult. Ooh, crescent roll. Perfect. And every time you have a stack of papers, the last paper was an order of this juice, frozen juice. And you say, what was so bad? Well, those frozen juice come in packages, about 12 of them per box. 
And they come in layers of 18 of those cases per layer on a pallet. And so you'd have orders of 2,000 cases of juice that you'd have to go in and pick up every single case, 2,000 cases, and stack it on another pallet. And it was wonderful. And I used to get so mad. I'm telling you, I'd walk up, one paper there, because you know they took all 20 other papers, and it was a paper for juice. Every time. And then the worst part was, that truck had to be loaded. So the boss would come out and say, hey, we're missing the juice for that truck. Yeah, it's still sitting there. No one wants it. It's got to go. We got to go in the freezer still and get it off the shelves. And I would complain about this. I would, I would tell my coworkers, shame on you. By the way, I never passed that up. If it was there, I never passed. I'm like, I'm not passing up. I'm a Christian. I got character. I'm preaching at them. Of course, they're not saved. I don't, they're not listening. How dare you? And every time the juice is left last. And I'll never forget. It was like one night, a switch flipped in my brain. TJ, stop complaining about the juice. Because every night you come in and you know the juice is going to be there because they do it every time. Stop complaining about the juice. And so the next day came. I went in that night like I normally did. Except this time, I went to the stack, and I started skipping through the stack. And I grabbed those crescent rolls. No, I'm just kidding. I did not grab the crescent rolls. I skipped through the stack, and you know what I went to first? The juice. And I grabbed that stupid paper of juice, and I went in the freezer. And boy, I started doing it. And when I started doing it, I told myself this. You know what? I'm going to start grabbing every single juice. I remember one night, I felt great. I was feeling good. I walked up to the next three stacks and I grabbed the juice out of the next three. I got dibs on them all for the whole night. Twelve hours of juice. Don't worry, fellas. I've got us under control. And I started doing that every night. And I would do it and I thought to myself this. First off, I'm tired of complaining about it. Number two, it makes me look good when I keep picking the juice and the boss goes, man, all the juice is done. We're not waiting for juice. Who picked the juice? TJ. Then I also realized this, what a great workout I was getting. I mean, I was picking three of them up at a time, and I'm like, well, hello, what is that muscle? I've never seen you before. It was great. I loved it. But you know what? I'd spent a whole lot of nights complaining about something. And when I decided to flip a switch and say, you know what? I'm going to be happy that I have this job. And I'm going to make sure I do my best to help my boss, help my coworkers, and I'm going to make the best out of that stupid juice. When I started doing that, you know what? I immediately went from every night being frustrated and upset to I honestly looked forward to picking that juice every single night. I was happy. I was content. And can I tell you the reason I think I got that, the reason the light bulb clicked on? Because I believe in the Lord. See, those other guys didn't think that way. Because those other guys, many of them are unsaved, non-church people. But see, I knew better. And I knew what the Bible says about being thankful. And I knew what the Bible said about being content. And the moment I decided, you know what, I'm going to live my life not based on my feelings. I'm going to live my life the way God wants me to do. And I flipped that switch. All of a sudden, I went from being a pretty grumpy college kid to, man, I can't wait to work tonight. And a happier young man. Can I tell you tonight, Are you complaining in the streets? 
Psalms 37, 4, and I'm done. It says this, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee desires of thine heart. If you will focus on God, all of a sudden the things that you have to complain about, they'll disappear. And you're going to find the things that you really want, the things that you want better, they'll get better. But you've got to take your eyes off the complaints and start focusing on the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I'm done tonight. We did it. We made it through. Let's have a word of prayer. And uh, then we will be dismissed. In fact, let's do this tonight. Would you stand to your feet? We're going to have the piano play. And if God is speaking to your heart tonight and you need to make a spiritual decision, we will have the altar open. If you want to come forward and find a spot to kneel and to pray, we'll do that. As the piano plays, if you would come forward, if you're at your seat, if you would, just maybe take a minute and connect with the Lord in prayer. But the altar is open this evening if you need to make a spiritual decision. teens have come tonight if you would just keep praying out there we've got some people that are making some spiritual decisions up here as the piano continues to play Let's bow for a word of prayer together tonight. Dear Lord, we love you. And God, as we looked at tonight your word, uh, Lord, I think we all realize that we need to look to you. God, there are always things to complain about in life. But Lord, I think we all could agree, agree that, God, you've been really good to us. And God, we have been given so much more than we ever deserve. And so, Lord, as we go through our day and we go through our week, the rest of this week, Lord, would you help us to focus on you and the good things and the joyful things of life. And Lord, when those complaints start coming in our minds and in our hearts, Lord, would you help us to remember you. Lord, we love you. And God, we are so grateful for everything you've done. Please bless the wonderful people that have assembled here tonight. They're so awesome. And Lord, there might be some heartaches amongst our people tonight. Would you help them? And uh, Lord, would you encourage them? Lord, we love you. Please be with us in your precious name. Amen. With that prayer, uh, I'll let you be dismissed. God bless you. We will see you at Tailgate Sunday this Sunday morning.